feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. is the criminal justice system in New York. That is one of the topics we're talking about tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, because this is indicative of what's happening not just here in New York City, but literally around the country, everybody. The NYPD's list of sort of notable career criminals is topped by someone labeled recidivist number one. What a great title who has been busted, get this, a total of 101 times, with 88 of those busts coming since bail reform was enacted. Thank you so much, bail reform. Thank you so much, Alvin Bragg and all these other soft-on-crime DAs across the country, including people like George Soros, who are backing them. And needless to say, the system is clearly broken. And tonight, we're going to talk about how do we fix it? And our politicians who are sounding the alarm and sounding pretty good with some of the comments, are they really sincere in making a difference? Because a lot of it just sounds like a lot of talk and not a lot of walk. So a lot of this, I think, is grandstanding. And by the way, later on in the show, in about 10 minutes from now, we are going to have Rudy Giuliani, the great crime fighter and great former New York City mayor who definitely brought law and order to the Big Apple. He is going to be joining us in about 10 minutes from now to talk specifically about what Eric Adams is saying today. And is he really sincere in his efforts to change the criminal justice system? First off, I was happy to hear Eric Adams coming out today And he goes through sort of this list of career criminals. By the way, a small group, it's like 10 career criminals alone running amok in the Big Apple, racking up nearly 500 arrests after New York enacted its controversial bail reform law. Uh, You know, I mean, if that doesn't say it all, give me a break. Once you see the person one time throw the book at them, two or three times, Throw the book at them. Are you kidding me that there's one, again, recidivist number one on the list who's been busted 101 times, more than 80 times since bail reform was enacted? If that doesn't get the message through, I don't know what does. But I am thrilled to see that at least Eric Adams sounds like he's talking the right talk. But is he again walking the right walk? This is what he had to say just a few hours ago about the whole system. They say the difference, definition of insanity is to do the same thing repeatedly but expect different results. Our criminal justice system is insane. It is dangerous, it is harmful, and it's destroying the fabric of our city. Yeah, that's obvious. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. So why are you not implementing change? You're sitting there pleading for it. But why are you not calling out some of these people by name? That's what I'd like to see this mayor do, as opposed to just saying, oh, the justice system's insane. 
Crime is insane. That's a pretty obvious thing. I could pull like a second grader off the street and say, hey, does crime look pretty bad in New York? I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. How about Chicago? Uh Uh-huh. L.A.? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's pretty obvious in all the major big cities across this country. Most of them run by Democrats. Blue cities that are really in destruction mode right now because they're just letting these criminals run rampant. So these press conferences are all great. I'm glad to see that he's proclaiming it and bringing attention to it. At least he's saying a little bit more. Some people are pretending like what crime? I mean, if you listen to like the Biden administration, it's like, what crime are you talking about? They don't even really talk about crime. All they talk about is green energy. So at least I'm happy to see that the current New York City mayor at least brings up the topic. But is he sincere? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222 is the number to call here on The Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, here is Eric Adams talking about just the revolving door of justice. We have a relatively small group of people who are recidivists, and they are exploiting these reforms every day. They're making us unsafe. They're taking advantage of a system that does not adequately account for their criminal records. We acknowledge this, and we must adjust to this. That's the only way we're going to deal with this crisis. And here's where things get murky, or I should say maybe eye-opening and revealing, because Mayor Adams starts talking, and again, he knows the DA, the soft-on-crime DA, Alvin Bragg, big time. So why not call him out by name? Why not start listing, here are the people that are blocking the system of justice and making all of us less safe in America? Let's start with the DA Alvin Bragg. Let's start with people in the New York State Legislature. Start naming them. Start calling them out. Have some, as I use the phrase, cojones, because you know what? Just sitting there and saying all that stuff, what does it really mean? And when he went further in the press conference, this to me was troubling. Listen to what he says is responsible, not the no cash bail, not the soft on crime policies, but listen. This is not merely a reform of laws action and call. Every piece of the criminal justice system must use the tools that are available to them. And this is not attacking some of the needed reforms that we had. This is about a small number of people that are taking advantage of the existing laws to endanger our city. Wait a minute. Did you just hear what he said? This is not about reforms. It's not about reforming the justice system. Yes, it is. Why not take it on? If you really want to turn New York City around and be the beacon of America, and listen, when Rudy Giuliani was on, he turned it around. When he was in control, he knew law and order. He was tough. He had the broken windows theory. Criminals knew that they'd be punished. And guess what? They got the message loud and clear. But now what are we seeing? We're seeing a guy who's saying there's a lot of blame to go around. I was ready for him to talk about the fish swimming up river and we're in this ocean together. You know what? 
We're not, I'm not in the same ocean as Alvin Bragg. I'm not in the same ocean as George Gascon. I'm not in the same ocean as the guy in Philly and some of these other soft on crime DAs across the country. Why not start calling him out? It's this kind of rhetoric from people like Alvin Bragg right away that make you go, boy, why doesn't he have the guts? Take a listen to Alvin Bragg not too long ago. Having had an automatic weapon to my, my head, a knife to my throat, I wanted um, to give voice to the people who know those experiences uh, and to give context to those who don't. I want to give context to those who are experiencing things. And then this is Alvin Bragg. I want to play. This is uh, before. This is Alvin Bragg when he got pushback, when people were like, why are you so worried about making sure that people understand the experience of the criminal? I really don't want to know that experience. And this is what he had to say. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest. And people say, well, how'd this happen? How'd that assault happen? Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. Yeah, I don't understand why people are upset. Just because people who are beating up cops recently in New York City, everybody saw that video of that guy, 16-year-old jumps the turnstile. He was a repeat offender. And guess what? After he beat a cop, he got out the same day. What are we doing? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dan on line six. Dan, your thoughts real quick. Uh, Eric Adams is full of poop because... Uh, I was a lieutenant in the police department long ago when under Rudy Giuliani, and you could the, the district attorneys and the court might might release somebody on no bail, but that may be 24 hours after they get arrested. Now, the Eric Adams Police Department is issuing appearance tickets to people for crimes. And when back in the day, if you were caught shoplifting and we ran your name and you had 17 shoplifting arrests, you were not given an appearance ticket because you're a recidivist. No matter how minor the crime was, you have shown disrespect for the law by being recidivist. And you were at least taken down the central booking and then the tombs, and you spent 24 hours in the hole. So at least you had a, a miserable, unpleasant experience, and you might decide not to get arrested anymore. So, yes, the district attorneys are not letting people go. And, and Kathy Hochul today, of course, saying they're allowed to consider the dangerousness of the crime. Great. That's great when you have someone to struck for assault. But these people who know what they're doing, they're business people. They're, 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 they're shoplifting $100, $200, $300 worth of stuff at a time. And the guy went 100 times he was arrested. Imagine how many times he was actually successful. So thousands of victims in the city of New York just on that one guy. He gets in. He gets caught. He pays the fine. He goes back to work the next day, which is shoplifting. We have videotapes of people showing up at stores, and they say this is their job. This is what they do. Then they pawn the stuff off to bodegas, people who sell stuff on eBay. And if they at least went to jail for a full 24 hours and got the full beauty of a, of a holding cell and then central booking and all the odors that come with that, and then maybe even the tombs, they, maybe they wouldn't do it. So Eric Adams, he's, he's going to take he, – he, he, he's just saying what he has to say, but he doesn't believe in any of it. He's all in with Kathy Hochul and the rest of the crew. Well, and you know what, Dan? They need to start calling out Alvin Bragg, just as we're talking about. You need to start naming names. The point is she can sit there and say all she wants. Well, they need to consider dangerousness. What about saying we're not going to give Alvin Bragg any more slack? 
I mean, for some reason, she is tiptoeing around Alvin Bragg, I think, obviously, for political reasons. Clearly, it's an election year. Um, But I think she has to step back and say, this is what we have to do. We have to keep the city, the state safe, our country safe. And you can't start, you know, you can't be like walking on eggshells with a soft on crime DA and repeatedly turning a blind eye to what is clearly one major issue in this cog. And if she did that, too, think about the message that would send. I love the fact in San Francisco, you know, they recalled Chesa Boudin, uh, that guy. Remember, he's uh, the son of uh, the Weather Underground parents. I mean, talk about a loony kazoonie that guy is. And yet San Francisco, the most liberal city in the country, even more than New York, recalled him. And they're waiting now in L.A. They may recall him. You can't recall Alvin Bragg. But don't you think it's time that Kathy Hochul puts on her big boy pants and says, you know what, it's time. You know, I mean, how much more slack can New York City take, Dan? Well, these DAs, by electing Lee Zeldin because he's already said that's what he's going to do. And if you live on Long Island like me, you can boot uh, Democratic State Senator John Brooks or Kevin Thomas from Hicksville, who voted for this nonsense three times now. The resident, This does not represent the interest of the people of Seaford and Hicksville, that they're representing these criminals. They need to be voted out because this only passed when the Democrats got the supermajority in the state Senate, and we need to vote these people out, and that is what will eventually change. If the people don't vote these people out, then they get what they deserve. As Ed Koch once said, the people have voted, and now they must be punished. Yep, no, you are absolutely right. What a famous line. I remember Ed Koch uh, using that line over and over again. Dan, thank you, and thank you for your great service, too, in law enforcement. We so appreciate it. When we come back... We are going to talk to the great crime fighter, the one and only former New York City mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and get his take on all of this. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Current Mayor Eric Adams of New York saying the criminal justice system is insane, but he says it's not about problems with reforms. It's just about a small number of people who keep committing the same crimes. What? Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is the great former New York City mayor and great crime fighter, my friend, Rudy Giuliani. Mayor Giuliani, great to have you here. Always great to be with you, Rita. How are you? I'm doing great. But you know what? I am so sick of this gobbledygook, uh, Mr. Mayor, and I'm listening to Eric Adams, and he's saying it's not about reforms. Why isn't he calling out Alvin Bragg? I have no idea. There's almost a feeling that he's afraid of him. Uh, it is so obvious that it is uh, almost silly not to mention him. I mean, it's obvious when uh, every day it's revealed in the newspapers and on television and radio that he's released one or two people who go ahead and commit crimes again. And uh, had he kept them in prison, uh, had he kept them in jail for some reasonable period of time, the number of victimizations would go down dramatically. It's been going on now for over half a year. It's obviously Alvin Bragg who did it. Everyone else mentions him except Adams, and I think that empowers Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg feels, well, fine, they're all angry at me, but the one guy that counts, or the two people that count, the governor and the mayor, 
And obviously, I'm going to go ahead and do what I'm doing. Alvin Bragg is definitely an ideologue who very, very incorrectly believes that by being nice to people and putting them back out on the street, they're going to stop murdering, mugging, raping, uh, stealing, robbing, and beating up children. Uh, you know, that's one out of 10 <laughs> who goes through a massive rehab program where that's going to work. The other nine out of 10 just keep doing what they're doing. And of course it needs reform. The first reform it needs is a new bail law. And then we need to, we have to, uh, we have to uh, uh, change the age law so that the people like that guy who went in and uh, beat the living daylights out of the cop because the cop was restrained doesn't walk out in two hours. Yeah, isn't that incredible, Rudy, by the way, that he gets out, he is seen on video, the guy who jumps a turnstile, he's beating the cop, he gets like 18 to 20 punches into the cop's head. First of all, he's a repeat offender who was out, and he shouldn't have been out, you know, if you look at his track record to begin with. It's a broken system even before that moment. And then after, like, one of the worst, like, beatdowns of a NYPD officer that you see on video... He's out within hours. I mean, what is going on, Rudy? No, I mean that's a, that is a, a very um, damaging thing, uh, much more so than just the individual crime, because of course it was on, it was almost nationwide actually in its coverage. It went pretty viral. It did, and it's it's it says to police officers, "We don't back you. We don't support you. You're on your own. Uh, don't take action because you can't defend yourself." I mean, the reason the police officer was beaten like that is there are many things he can't do. Uh, for example, he can't touch him between, I think it is basically the chin and the middle body for fear of a chokehold. And lo and behold, the guy got him in a chokehold and almost killed him. Uh, second, he really can't punch him. Just punch him or he'd be in trouble. So he's almost like fighting obviously a very strong guy and capable guy, but he's fighting with his arms tied behind his back. Wow. And that's why you're, that's why you're seeing these difficult uh, takedowns by the cops. There are many restrictions on what they can do. So they know that, right? So there are restrictions on what they can do. As a result of following the rules, they get their heads beaten and making an arrest. And then the guy's out in two hours. How, it's how, shameful. It's, no it is wonder morale is destroyed. And you got to know, uh, uh, I talked to all the police officers. They can't stand this guy, Adams. They can't stand him. I don't, I don't care what the New York Post says. They can't stand him. So what is it all talk, Rudy? Because here he is today. And, he, you know, I, when he started the press conference, I was like, oh, wow, look, okay. No, you I, know? I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I had the same reaction. But, and when I heard that, when I heard that comment, I had to actually play it back twice because yeah. it make it makes no sense. It's it's just about a few criminals, and we don't need reform. Well, I mean, among other things, we need reform so they're not out on the street, Eric. I mean, maybe it's just a dumb comment. Yeah, but but he made it clear that he was separating reforms. And saying, oh, it's yeah. the overall system as opposed to pointing the blame at what is clearly um, an eyesore in this process. Um, Rudy, we just have a few seconds left. What's your message to the mayor? My message to the mayor is, you know, start start doing what you say, what you say you're going to do. And in a way, you're creating a much bigger problem, even than de Blasio, 
de Blasio, we knew what we had with de Blasio. He never fooled us. He was a totally incompetent mayor. You uh, give us hope, and then you dash it, like like today, the perfect example. Or uh, he keeps promising he's going to get the bail law changed, and he never puts the proper pressure on Hochul. Absolutely. And, no, you are so right, Rudy. You're right. And it's like this gray area is a very dangerous place be worse, to be. It be worse in terms of people's morale, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. Rudy, thank you. We love you, and thank we you, appreciate Rita. so much what you always do. Yep. Thanks so much, Rudy. Everybody, we're going to take your calls right after the break. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing here on the Rita Cosby Show, it is so important to support our police officers, especially now more than ever. We were just talking with Rudy Giuliani about how tough it is to be a cop and just the revolving door of justice. I'm going to continue with your calls on that in a moment. Meantime, in our Support Our Hero segment, a powerful story coming out of Roseboro, North Carolina, where Deputy Caitlin Emanuel was shot twice in the leg with her own service weapon during a struggle with a suspect. Now a fellow deputy is being hailed a hero for saving his colleague's life. Sampson County, North Carolina Sheriff's Deputy Caitlin Emanuel, who has been with the department for two years, responded to reports of a vehicle theft around two in the morning. Shortly after making contact with the suspect, the sheriff's deputy called for backup. When another deputy arrived, Tyler Spell, he discovered Deputy Emanuel had been shot in the leg. Instantly, I knew it was a very dangerous area, depending on which way the bullet went into her leg, because other arteries are in her leg. And I told her, Caitlin, I am going to have to pick you up. I'm going to have to put you in a car. We've got to rush to the hospital. And that's what they did. And on the way, He stopped his patrol car to put a tourniquet on her leg. He tightened it down as tight as he could, and he rushed to the hospital. Deputy Emanuel said that Deputy Spell is her hero. He saved my life. I will definitely say he's a hero. But Deputy Shell said it's the other way around. I'm not a hero. I transported a hero. What a great and powerful story. And I always love sharing these amazing stories of our law enforcement here on the Rita Cosby Show. Unfortunately, also uh, just tragic news uh, with law enforcement, too, as we've been talking about how tough it is now to be a police officer. Terrible story coming out of Indiana, Anderson, Indiana, where a police officer, a rookie officer, uh, El- Elwood officer Noah Chanavez, just 24 years old, was murdered by a guy that he stopped in a routine traffic stop, so he thought. What a sad story. Investigators are now saying the man accused of fatally shooting this Indiana police officer during that stop had made a song about killing an officer. Carl Boards II was charged with murder and other crimes, and Officer Shanawaz was gunned down in the wee hours on Sunday, about 50 miles northeast of Indianapolis, The 24-year-old rookie cop had stopped Board's car and was hit immediately with gunfire. Investigators found 36 rifle bullet casings at the scene. 
and damage to the patrol car's hood, windshield, and driver's door. How sad and how horrible is this? And how brazen was this guy? By the way, uh, the guy, the suspect, is a barbershop owner in Marion, Indiana. And a man who lives above the shop told police that boards had made a song about killing a cop. And he openly talked about killing police officers. Don't you think that maybe that's a problem? And he had a criminal rap sheet? My goodness, how crazy is it? And on a much lighter note, but obviously also a disgrace to the way people are treating police officers, so much discussion about these videos that have come out late about glass bottles being thrown at officers who were making arrests over the weekend at the Bronx Dominican Day Parade. Officers were trying to contain a rowdy group. Uh, They arrested a guy. And then a whole bunch of individuals ages 20 to 25 started throwing glass bottles at officers. Uh, You know, I mean, what is going on with people and their disrespect? We were talking with Rudy Giuliani about the guy who was pounding on the officer. We all saw the videotape. We talked about it last week on the show where he jumps the turnstile. Then he beats the officer, punches him like 18 to 20 times, gets out the same day. And now you have got on a much more tragic level this horrible story out of Anderson, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis, where a rookie cop didn't even get out of his car. He pulls the guy over on what was a routine traffic stop, and he goes over clearly and opens fire on him while the cop is still in the vehicle. He didn't even have time to pull out his revolver. That's how fast it happened and what a surprise attack it was. And again, 36 rifle bullet casings at the scene at that case in Indianapolis, damage to the patrol car's hood, windshield, and driver's door, and most importantly, tragically, taking the life of this incredible, heroic 24-year-old rookie officer. This is crazy. And so here is Eric Adams today in this climate where crime is so rampant in so many cities across America. And again, at first, I thought his press conference that he gave today, it's been making headlines across the country I thought at first he was going on the right track because sometimes, you know, he makes a pretty strong statement about crime and how what kind of a damage it is on having to not just New York City, but across the country. Uh, tourists don't want to come. They see the headlines. People are moving out because it's so bad and people just do not feel safe. And so he talked today about the revolving door of justice. Take a listen. Time and time again, our police officers make an arrest. And then the person who is arrested for assault, felonious assaults, robberies, and gun possessions, they're finding themselves back on the street within days, if not hours, after arrest. And they go on to commit more crimes within weeks, if not days. If not hours, sometimes, the way the system works with a soft-on-crime DA called Alvin Bragg. Because this guy needs to be removed. He is not doing anything to break this cycle of justice. And, in fact, he's doubling down. And then we just heard yesterday, we're talking about on the show, George Soros, who, by the way, gave tons of money to Alvin Bragg's campaign. He also gave tons of money to George Gascon. That's the DA in L.A. But he doubled down yesterday in an op-ed, George Soros saying, I'm going to give more money. That even though we're seeing a rise in crime, the system eventually will work and it will be equitable for all. I'm sorry. I'm not thinking of equity in, you know, in crime. I'm thinking of getting rid of the bad guys, 
putting the thugs behind bars and not hugging a thug. That's really what I'm thinking. I don't care what color of skin they are. I just think if you're a bad person, you're a bad person and you need to pay the price. But Eric Adams today, this is astounding. He is basically going on. At first, it sounded great. He said, God, it's insane. The system's nuts. And then he comes to the point where, so what are you going to do? That's the obvious question. Are you going to fix bail reform? Are you going to get rid of no-cash bail, at least try to put pressure on Alvin Bragg and the state legislature and all these other things? You're complaining about crime. It's so obvious you can't miss it anywhere. So what are you going to do? Uh-uh. He is not going to go after his buddies. Take a listen. This is not merely a reform of laws, action, and call. Every piece of the criminal justice system must use the tools that are available to them. And this is not attacking some of the needed reforms that we had. This is about a small number of people that are taking advantage of the existing laws to endanger our city. So it just happens to be these criminals who over and over again, and yeah, there are a lot that are repeating the same action, but it's because they're getting out. In other words, they just happen to be getting out and they happen to be committing offenses over and over again, often more and more severe. They're walking, you know, like tiptoeing through the tulips, don't care about the justice system because we're not giving them any lessons. And yet we don't need to change the reforms, the justice system. We just need to focus on them and getting rid of their guns. And don't worry if we keep letting them out over and over again. Does that make any sense to any of you? It doesn't make any sense to me. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bob. Line three. Bob, your thoughts about all this. What do you think, uh, Bob, on line three? What are your thoughts, Bob? Adams is a phony. That's the bottom line. And the reason why he doesn't want to get tough with criminals in the city because most of the criminals are black. That's why he won't get tough because he knows he's going to lose the support of the black community. That's so obvious. But you know, but you know what's interesting, Bob? Everybody cares about safety. They, you know, maybe he believes that. I don't know. You know, I, I actually, I remember I interviewed him a couple months ago and I said, why don't you go after Alvin Bragg? And he's like, well, I don't have any oversight of him. You know, other people have oversight, which is true, but you can certainly have influence on him. I mean, that's a bunch of bobbledygook that you think that you can't have any influence on him. They know each other. Are you kidding me? Bob, I use bobbledygook. I even got your name in there, too. Aren't you proud of me? Rita, he's more concerned about the, the perception from the black community about what he's doing. And if he comes down hard on black criminals, they're not going to vote for him. So his plans are one for governor eventually be out the window. That's the bottom line. But, Bob, even African-Americans, everybody, you know, wants to be safe. And I think some of that is a false myth. I think that, yes, there are people who say, OK, well, you know, they they think obviously the criminal justice system they believe is not equitable and and a number of issues like that. But there are if you go to communities and you talk to mothers and others in those communities, they say, yeah, we'd like to have police officers around because we want to make sure we're safe, that we're protected. You know, we want to make sure, you know, it's not a it's not a color issue. It's a security issue. Everybody wants the best for their family Um, and they deserve better. And African-American communities deserve 
better security, better protection. Uh, they deserve to be safe. Um, and they deserve to have also have great role models that their kids can look up to, too, as well. Um, and and parents see that, you know, responsible parents see that. And and that's why I think, you know, I think this will backfire in so many ways because there's so many people. It is so bad and it's so obvious what maybe the criminals might vote. But it's somebody who's not a criminal may say, you know what, I'd like to have a safe city. You know, I don't think it's too much to ask. Bob, thank you very much. Let's go to Alice, line four in Cincinnati. Alice, go ahead. Hi, Rita. The fish smells from the head down. U.S. Attorney General uh, Garland went out after parents speaking up uh, for their children at a school board meeting in Loudoun County, Virginia. Then you have a city manager in a small town in, uh, I think it's North Carolina, all 12 of the police walked off because she picked them up on everything. They sat down. They did this. They did things that didn't matter. Yep, that was um, in North Carolina, by the way. The, I know exactly where you're talking right. about. Yep. And Right. And there's more interest in tearing down statues and setting, settling petty social justice issues than a quality of life. We have a juvenile court judge here who reduced the sentence, greatly reduced the sentence from a violent 15-year-old rapist to one year and to write a term paper. What? Because, yes. What what was the term paper about? Well, I'm curious. Do you remember what the topic was? You know, I don't because my jaw dropped. Yeah, that's stunning. Yes, it is. This kid, 14 years old, he's a rapist. He was supposed to be in the juvenile facility uh, until he reached majority. And she released him after a year. Wow. And sadly. We've got it. Yes, and one comment about the police, if I could. Yep. They are wonderful. It's a job I would have never even considered. With what they're going through, and they're putting up with it, and they're handling it with grace, I've come to believe it's a calling. It yeah. has to be. They're, by the way, Alice, I agree with you. I think our cops are truly godsend. When I look at them and when I see police officers, whatever city I'm in, I say thank you so much for everything you're doing. I really appreciate it. And they look surprised at a couple of times. I'm like, do you hear that a bit? No, we haven't heard that in a long time. And I'm like, well, you should, you know, because we are so lucky that there are still brave men and women, like you just said, uh, that want to do this job, given all of this that we're talking about. I mean, it's astounding. It's like you got to be you got to be Superman or Superwoman and you got to have just incredible love and devotion to your city to want to put on that suit and then deal with all the hogwash that's out there and the danger that's out there. I mean, you know, we were just talking about, um, and we were just talking about with Rudy, Alice, that one of the things he said, which was really interesting, and the guy who was getting punched, that video that we all saw where the guy was getting punched, you know, 18, 20 times in the New York City subway, it went viral. Everybody was talking about it. The fact that the cop was not allowed to, like, go back and punch the guy, that there's limited areas where they can punch back because now they're told don't put somebody in a chokehold. Obviously, go back to Eric Garner when the whole thing happened with Eric Garner, remember, when he died and he was in the chokehold. And so now there's all these restrictions on where – so poor cops are getting pounded. They feel they can't go back and punch in certain areas. They can only – they're afraid to overreach – They're afraid they're going to get hauled in by internal affairs. They're afraid they're going to deal with lawsuits. They're afraid 
uh, that, you know, God forbid they hit them too hard, even though in many cases they would have every right to. Um, boy, how, do, how did they do their job, Alice? I mean, it's astounding, Alice. How could they do their job properly with all this? They have to be a psychiatrist, a social worker. They have to be a law officer. They have to know the law. They have to keep their cool. Uh, they have to be polite. They have to be stand uh, in front of someone who is totally ignorant, uh, probably, uh, you know, they've been drinking their own drugs and still treat them with respect. I often have to wonder when I hear someone say what well, an officer referred to uh, a criminal, they picked up this gentleman. Are you kidding me? Right. I'm this like, gentleman. yeah, I'd like him to say this scumbag, right? That would yeah. be more appropriate. Yeah. But you can't. And how do you choose the how do you choose the area of the body that you go after to defend yourself when when the the criminal can go after you any place they want? Right. And you know, what's amazing, too. In this case, too, Alice, two people are filming. I'm thinking about, too, in this day and age. Think about, you know, years ago, cops were dealing with all that. Now. They're being filmed for everything, and people are provoking them, too. And, like, you know, oh, what'd you say to me? What'd you do? You know what I mean? They're, like, wanting to get, like, punched or something, or they throw a punch, and then they turn the camera on so the cop defends himself. Oh, look, he just hit me. You know what I mean? It's like they're – and then what are they doing filming as opposed to, like, helping the cop? You know? I mean, there are so many questions here. Alice, thank you very, very much. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody talking about how tough it is to be a police officer. And also, I use the gobbledygook or a bobbledygook, depending on what I feel like saying at that moment. But depending on what, you, what is Adam saying? On one hand, he's saying this revolving door and we, well, you know, people are arresting them. Cops keep arresting. They're doing a good job, but then they're ending up back on the streets. But yet, we're not going to work on reforms. That, that's not really the focus. What are you doing? Is this grandstanding or what? 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And Eric Adams is a sharp-dressed man. He's got his earring. He's got a great suit. He's got all that going on. And I liked a lot of the things that he was saying earlier. I actually thought a lot of the comments that he said earlier were really, really powerful in a press conference where he said, yeah, the criminal justice system's insane, that we're seeing people getting rearrested over and over again. All that's great. That's great. But then what's the solution? The solution is, no, we're not going to change reforms. No problem there. We're just going to talk about the thugs. Well, what about changing the system so the thugs don't get out? What is he going to do, sing Kumbaya with the thugs? I mean, really, this is unbelievable. It's like, let's take away the guns from the law-abiding. Let's go after, you know, the issue. What are you doing? Why are you focused on little darts on a board and not stepping back and saying the whole dartboard could actually be put together in a much better way if you go right to the top and they get a lesson. Guess what? Then you won't have to rearrest people. If they stay in jail or they're afraid to commit the crime, then you won't have to rearrest them. And I also like 
I think it was Bill O'Reilly who brought up this one time when I was talking with Bill. I thought this was a great idea. He said, listen, if somebody gets caught with an illegal gun, throw them with a federal charge, not a soft New York City charge, not a go back on the street charge. Throw them with a federal charge so they really will have to pay a price. So if you change the system and you make punishment what should be appropriate and punishment should be colorblind, if you make it colorblind and it fits the crime and it fits the reoffender, maybe things will be better in New York and many other cities across this country. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We were also talking about this Indiana cop with a horrible case of just how much disrespect and just violence our officers are encountering. A 24-year-old rookie cop shot in the head after a routine traffic stop and investigators finding 36 rifle bullet casings and damage to the hood windshield driver's door. And it was a repeat offender. Surprise, 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 who killed that amazing cop. Let's go to Elizabeth. Line three, Elizabeth, your thoughts. Hi. You went to Indiana Cop, and it brings to mind um, Kim Potter, who, is, who sent her rookie cop to stop Dante Wright. And all of a sudden, she sees that he has this great, uh, this horrible long rap sheet. So she ran to help her rookie cop because the car was moving, and she took her taser instead of her gun. And she is languishing in jail, and I can't stop thinking about her. Why we have to do something for her? We have to start, start some movement to to get her out of there. I mean, all these you're saying repeat offenders, 500, uh, you know, uh, crimes, and they just they're, they're, they're in the streets. And Kim Potter, a, a 23 veteran policewoman, is in jail, and it, and and because of that, the cops today, you know, they. They, they know they'll either end up in jail or they'll end up dead. So they don't do anything. You know, I, I sometimes feel that Uvalde, it was a horrible story, but I think everybody went into a panic. They were afraid. They yeah, they are. Home. Although, although by the way, Uvalde was disastrous, and they, they, they made such 100%. horrible mistakes. But you know, you know what's interesting about the Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth the, uh, the case with Kim Potter? I think you, you bring up a very powerful story because you're right. Um, the whole community was like, oh, you know, she was out to get, you know, this guy and was out. and none of that. If you look at the video, she clearly made a horrible mistake and it was a deadly mistake because it took his life. You know, so it was it was a deadly mistake. It was a huge mistake. Um, in that case, I also think she shouldn't have panicked. She panicked because she thought it was remember her revolver and she couldn't feel it, you know. But the, if you looked at it, remember, in the courtroom. It was a lot bigger than her gut. I mean, there were so many things that she kind of, you know, made some enormous mistakes, and that was wrong. But the fact that people immediately accuse the cop of the worst intentions is so wrong. Our cops are doing a great job the best they can. We're going to continue taking your calls after the break, everybody, and also AOC for president. One million people. That's how many people go blind each year. That's a staggering number. Hi, I'm Randall Lavolio, President and CEO of Sea International. By the end of this year, one million men, women, and children will have gone blind. 285 million people worldwide are visually impaired, and 90% of them live in developing countries. Here's an even more sobering fact. Every 60 seconds, somewhere in the world, a child goes blind. 
They will live their lives unable to see the beautiful world around them if they don't get the treatment they need. Yet 80% of all these cases could have been prevented or treated. The only thing they lack is access to proper eye care. Sea International is a Santa Barbara-based nonprofit dedicated to getting them that care. All it takes is about $100 to restore someone's sight and transform their life forever. For more information, go to our website at seainternational.org. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. That is how I would describe this debate that I watched last night. And, of course, crime came up because it's a big issue in New York. It's a big issue around the country. But this was an amazing moment. And it just epitomizes, I think, a lot of what's ahead in the presidential race and in the midterms, too, clearly. Because last night on New York One in New York City... They had a debate for a congressional seat, and a number of the contenders, three of the contenders, were there. Now, two of the contenders are over the age of 50, and one of them, oh my gosh, Gerald Nadler. This, to me, was an amazing moment. Now, Carolyn Maloney, who was also on the debate floor, uh, she did a great job. She has been a longtime congresswoman. They've, you know rejiggered the seats there um, and changed some of the lines in the district. So now she is going up against Gerald Nadler, uh, the longtime congressman, who, if this doesn't show what kind of a state the party of the Democrats is in and how worried they should be about not just November, but 2024, this moment encapsulates it all. This is Gerald Nadler, remember, who went after Donald Trump over and over and over and over again and was very much increment, you know, instrumental in impeaching him and playing a role with that. He couldn't wait to impeach him. He'd impeach him if he walked across the street. He'd find some reason. You know, this guy like is like Donald Trump impeacher. He is 75 years old. And last night in the debate, he acted like he was 95. Take a listen. I am leading the fight to, uh, to stop this, and, that, and I have passed the uh, two impeachments. In, my, in leading this, I've impeached uh, Bush twice. I've passed the, uh, the strongest, and on other subjects, I've passed the strongest gun control legislation in 30 years. I've passed the Respect for Marriage Act to uh, codify the right of uh, marriage equality, whatever the Supreme Court says, and I've passed the assault weapons ban um, so I hope the voters of the, uh, of the, uh, on August 23rd will vote for me so I can t- continue working for them. Why would anybody vote for this guy when he can't even remember who he impeached twice? He impeached Trump twice, and he didn't even correct himself. I mean, he can't even remember who he impeached. I would think if you impeach a president— You better remember the topic or at least come back and say, gosh, I think I misspoke earlier. I don't even think he realized he misspoke until he saw it all over the news today that people thought what a fool he is. It was unbelievable. But it just shows how bad 
The problem is in the Democratic Party and leadership in the Democratic Party. And things are so bad that Carolyn Maloney last night was asked, what do you think is in for the future of Joe Biden? Now, remember, Joe Biden's the president of her party. She's a long time, uh, been a very effective Democratic congresswoman. And she gave a stunning answer that's making lots of headlines today. Should President Biden run again? Yes. Mr. Nadler. Too early to say it doesn't serve the purpose of the Democratic Party to to deal with that until after the midterms. Ms. Maloney. I don't believe he's running for re-election. I don't believe he's running for re-election. The others were like too early to say, you know, like he's the leader of your party. The midterms haven't even happened. In other words, I'm hoping he won't. So today there have been a lot of discussions following a basically an op-ed that came out from a Democratic consultant who said he has a solution for the Democratic Party, the perfect person who he thinks could rejuvenate the Democratic Party and who could take on President Trump mano a mano. And it is AOC. Take a listen. AOC, if you think things are not radical enough in this country, imagine adding AOC to the mix. Take a listen. That what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to mm-hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just I I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. You- The climate crisis is a crisis born of injustice, and it is a crisis born of the pursuit of profit at any and all human and ecological cost. That's right. Which means that we must recognize in legislation that the trampling of indigenous rights is a cause of climate change. The, the trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change because we are allowing people and we are allowing ourselves to make sure to we are allowing folks to deny ourselves human rights. One is not the same. And we cannot dust that under the rug. And by the way, those families are owed reparations, period. Are you ready for that? If you thought Joe Biden, who is out to lunch, and his philosophies that sounds like she's whispering in his ear and others, but with her leading the pack, we're going to talk about that later on the show. And I want to get your take. Do you think that she is a viable candidate? And could you see an AOC matchup against President Trump right before the 2024 election? She would be 35 years old. So what do you think? You know, I'm going to just say something. Don't count her out. You never know. This is a woman who was a bartender, and look how far she's risen on the social media spectrum. I think a lot of her ideas are out to lunch and are nutty. But that doesn't mean that she might not become a viable candidate for the Democrats. At least she's got a pulse. I mean, it's better than Biden. My goodness. 
and better than Nadler after what we saw last night. Boy, is the Democratic Party in big time trouble. And one of the big issues, of course, is crime. And that's one of the things that she also talked about is defunding the police. I hate whenever I see any of the Democrats talking about that, because right now we need to increase, I think, funding for police because crime is so, so, so bad. And earlier today, as we were talking earlier, Eric Adams was talking about just the high rate of repeat offenders that are happening in New York and elsewhere across the country. As a result of this insane, broken system, our recidivism rates have skyrocketed. And those who say that the predictive wave of recidivism wouldn't happen and the studies that claim to show that the rate of arrests for violent felonies has not changed since the reforms were passed. I have one word for you. Wrong. You are wrong. But yet he won't address the revolving door of justice rooted With soft-on-crime DAs like Alvin Bragg in New York, who he knows well. And he won't tell the legislature. He can make a comment. But he's got to really start getting tough because things are getting really bad out there. And he is dancing around the words, saying a lot of things. And yet when it comes push to shove, are you going to put Alvin Bragg, at least call him out? You can't necessarily fire him, but you could certainly make his job a lot more difficult. And you could certainly ask the governor to try to put pressure to basically remove him. If she wants to get, you know, reelected or continue her job, because remember, she got put in, you know, put in after all that stuff with Cuomo. I shouldn't say reelected. It would be her first election. But if she wants to continue in her position, imagine how great she would look if she actually got rid of Alvin Bragg. To me, that would be that would be that would be a gold mine. That would be the way to go, and it would be the absolute right thing. We have to get rid of these revolving doors. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hills, Line 7. Go ahead, Stan, your thoughts. Congratulations, President Biden, on the executive order on abortion today. Great job that women will be able to cross state lines to get abortions. Very good. Thank you, President Biden. I think that's the smart move. By, and by the way, Stan, Stan by the way, um, mu- much of that was in place before. There wasn't anything but, that was uh, prohibiting it's a, it's it. So, so talk about grandstanding. He continued the grandstand, Stan. The grandstand, Stan. That's a shot in the rear for them. That's good for the for the right. He I'm could glad. use a little shot in the rear. My goodness, he could use. He's he's like yeah. you know he's, he's you look at yourself, he needs a little yeah, fire. He needs a little fire. <laughs> yeah, he's got the fire. He's got the. But the point is about uh, you know you talk about defunding the police. I mean, they should give more money. Well, here's the point: if the laws don't benefit the cops anyway, and I'm not, I want the cops to get as much protection as. What good is giving more money if they're not if the laws aren't going to help them anyway? But, the but don't of- you, Stan, don't you think that he needs to call out Alvin Bragg and call out these people hey, by Rita, name? Rita, Rita, I don't like Bragg. He can call them out from today till tomorrow till next week. It doesn't mean nothing. He doesn't have any major effect. You're right. He can't fire him. Okay, he can't uh, do anything to other than open his mouth. And we both know it's the governor who can do something. But, Stan, 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 that sounds very good in practice. And, yes, that is correct in practice. But 
or or in paper, I should say, in terms of the lineage and who has control over who and governance. Yet, you know that if he comes out and he says, I am fed up and I am going to go to Alvin Bragg tomorrow and ask him to please start doing X. And if Alvin Bragg doesn't do it, it will definitely put pressure on him. Um, you know, Mayor Adams is a good communicator, but if you sit there and call everybody out, but then you say, oh, well, you know what, reforms aren't what needed. What are you kidding me? I mean, it's like he's ignoring that one very clear, obvious chunk, and he can also put pressure on the governor. She can certainly put pressure on Alvin Bragg, but if he's not doing it and she's not doing it, then he's just sitting back having cream puffs, you know, Stan? And so are so are the criminals in New York. Let me ask you a question, okay? If you were a betting girl, which you may be. <laughs> hey, Stan. Stan, don't underestimate me. I've actually no, no, done pretty the, well. Here's the point. Here's the question. Stan, I bet every day I put you on the show. That's rolling the <laughs> and, dice and every I, day. I crossed the winner's line. I <laughs> the All right, here's the point. Will, in your opinion, will the governor, if she's reelected, I think she will. I think she, put the pressure on him once she's reelected and say, if you don't do it, I'm going to fire. She can fire. Do you think she'll do it? I don't think, by the way, I don't think she wants to do it for political reasons. Now, will because she do it? Will she, she do it? No. Will she do it? I think, I think if she thought it would help her continuing in her office, she would. And I actually think she underestimates the fact that people are concerned about law and order in their community. And I think that not only is it the right thing to do, Stan, because it shouldn't be about politics, but it's also, I think, the right political move, too. Because guess what? Her opponent, Lee Zeldin, has been very clear that day one, he would get rid of Alvin Bragg. And then you've got the existing and governor. the pressure's on her. The pressure's on her. Exa- I understand Exactly, that. exactly. And no, that's, I and, agree. And, Stan, I, agree. I don't think crime should be a, a Democrat issue or a Republican issue. It's an American issue. It's safety. And, and, and families across this country doesn't matter if they're Republican, Democrats, they would just want to be safe. And I think it would actually, it would speak volumes of her if she did it. She should have done it, I think, months ago. And the fact that she continues to, quote, give him slack, uh, to me, I think is really a shame, uh, especially for law-abiding citizens and for everybody in New York and cities across the country. Because it sends a message that there's an obvious problem, but you won't get rid of him. And, And that's bad, Stan, don't you think? I, uh, but I, I'm waiting again. The election's coming up. I think she's going to win. The numbers are looking pretty good for her now. The point is, will she do it? I'm betting she will. I think she'll she'll say, "Hey, if you don't put up and do what you got to do, you're gone." You're, I think she's got the guts to. Once she's elected, she can do what she wants. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But will how she do sad it? is I that? Stan, how sad is that that she would have to wait to get elected well, to do the right what? thing? If that's what it takes, listen to me. If that's what it takes, and he's gone. Happy New Year. Yeah, that's well, yeah, look but yeah, look, that's a good line, but it won't be a happy few months if he stays on until I then, look, Stan. I, hey, let's see what happens. That's what we got to see. All right, and I am a gambler, Stan, for the record, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Great all to right. talk to you. Thanks, Stan. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Let's go to Steve, line five real quick. Steve, your thoughts about it all. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? The only way to get rid of this no-cash bail law is to vote these people out of office, Hochul, Cousins and Hasty. Eric Adams is a phony and a fraud. He keeps talking about he's going to do something, he's going to do something. He's been in office seven months now. What is he doing? He's just giving speeches, and I think behind the scenes he's uh, doing some unscrupulous things. You know, it's as simple as that. 
So Hochul's not going to change her mind. Okay, neither is Cousins or Hasty. They say uh, the data doesn't show what's going on with all these horrendous crimes. That's you know, what you know what's saying. interesting, Steve? George Soros, at least to his credit, and I rarely give this guy credit. In his op-ed, he said, "Yeah, crime is rising." I was like, "Oh, okay." There's an epiphany. And then he said, but just because crime is rising doesn't mean what we're doing now isn't working. In the long run, this, you know, racial justice, social, you know, justice experiment is going to work. That's basically what he says. In other words, there'll be a lot of short-term pain, but it's worth it for long-term gain. At least he even acknowledged that crime is up, you know. And by the way, Adams acknowledges that part of it. He just doesn't acknowledge the fact that. You know, that reforms could have a dramatic effect. He points the finger at everything else. It's like the, somebody, like, said, you cannot say the word Helvin Bragg. Like, you know, it's like maybe he got, like, hit with a ruler when he was a kid when he used the word Bragg or something. Like, you're not allowed to ever say that word. It's like he'll say everything else but the obvious solution that everybody's going, okay. You know, and, and by the way, there's a template for New York, Steve. I mean, that's the other thing. You can look at, like, places like San Francisco, you look at where they got rid of Chesa Boudin in an ultra, ultra left city, much more even than New York. And guess what? The new one who came in is a Democrat, too, but also right off the bat said, I'm going to try to clean up the streets. At least she's saying the right things. Chesa Boudin wouldn't even say that. So, you know, there are ways to get in people that care and that still work within the party that's there, that's in power. Uh, protecting our streets shouldn't be a political issue. We're going to continue with this right after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the criminal justice system in New York and around the country as crime is skyrocketing in New York, crime up 37%. So why are they not calling out the soft on crime DAs? They're talking a good game, but are they doing the walk? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil. Line one. Phil, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Good evening. Pleasure to see you, you know, on the radio again. I, I miss I miss your shows. I'm hurting. You know what I mean? Oh, and I when I don't hear from you, I'm hurting, too, Phil. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the deal. You, I, I have a formula that will cut crime in New York by at least 50 percent or more. It's very simple. You take Kathy, you take Hochul, you take Schumer, you take uh, Alan Bragg. Uh, and what's his face? Uh, oh, yeah, Mayor Adams, the jumped-up version of Al Sharpton. And you take away their police and armed escorts. You leave them raw like the average New Yorker. My wife walks the streets. She's a middle-aged African-American woman. She's got a bullseye on her back, not from the police, but from these young African-American thugs. And she's been harassed many, many times, threatened many, many times. And I, I, unfortunately, I was not there to help. The point is, you take away the, the armed security escorts and the p- private security from those up-in-the-air people, and I guarantee you, they'll be crawling on their hands and knees to judges, begging, begging to lock these people up and throw them away. It, it's pathetic because 
90 percent of these people that they let out commit crimes all over again. And they sometimes worse, sometimes, sometimes murder. No, you know, you, you know, Phil, you are absolutely right, because then they will feel what everybody else across this country feels um, because. But then, you know, I think back, I think it was Cori Bush. I couldn't believe this. This was a couple months ago, Phil. She was asked in an interview it was on one of the morning shows, one of the network morning shows. Well, aren't you hypocritical that you're calling for defunding the police while you spent X amount? It was like an enormous amount for this private security taxpayers expense, mind you, as you talk about. Um, and she she actually had the audacity to say, oh, no, I deserve it because I'm getting threats. In other words, she deserves better than the average person. And she's part of the squad. Speaking of the squad, when we come back, everybody, we're going to talk about the Democrats pushing AOC for president. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in today's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great veterans and also, of course, their families. A powerful story coming from Bennington, Vermont, where Governor Phil Scott has issued an executive proclamation honoring Vermont veterans who are Purple Heart Medal recipients. The governor's announcement comes in advance of August 7th, which is the National Day to Honor Veterans who have been wounded during their service and awarded the medal. Scott said this week that Sunday will also be the official day of recognition in the state of Vermont. Now, other folks have come forward and said that they will join these efforts, including the American Legion and, of course, a number of others. And the governor said that he signed this executive proclamation to further honor our veterans and that the Purple Heart is one of the highest honors that a veteran can receive because of their brave, brave service. The Purple Heart is the oldest American military decoration, and it was created as the badge of military Merit made of purple cloth in the shape of a heart with the word merit sewn on it. And that happened on August 7th, 1782. What a great, great story and knowing the history and how beautiful to see all of these great courageous veterans honored on August 7th. And I'm sure their families will be there as well. Well, we are talking about what's been going on in the world. Speaking of military Uh, You look at just everything that's been going on with China, the mixed messages coming from President Biden on that, the mixed messages at first, of course, with Ukraine, a minor incursion to President Vladimir Putin. And what about that wonderful withdrawal of Afghanistan? How'd you like that one? Boy, was that a disaster. And needless to say, right now, even though the midterms haven't happened yet, a lot of people are already talking about 2024 and who's going to run. Well, President Biden really takes the cake because he has the worst approval ratings, basically, of any president in history at this point. Stunning numbers where 75 percent of Democrats don't want him to run again. That is really bad. And that is because of crime, as we've been talking about. That's because of inflation. Uh, That's because of his handling on the foreign stage. And meantime, President Trump, by the way, has been doing pretty well. Even people who don't like President Trump are saying, boy, they miss the guy with mean tweets. 
especially when they go to fill up their gas tank or they go to the grocery store. And last night was a big night, as we know, um, in the primaries. And President Trump did really well, his candidates, in a number of these races. I mean, he sits now, his record is 172 to 10. Any baseball player would love that kind of an average. 172 to 10, uh, perfect picks. And that includes ones in Kansas, Missouri, Michigan, also, by the way, Arizona, too. So it's even better. Uh, So there's some big numbers. He has been doing really well with picking candidates. And clearly, he still is the kingmaker in the GOP. And he clearly doesn't hold anything back when he's talking about President Biden. Take a listen. Joe Biden is the worst president in the history of our country. He's turning out to be a combination of Jimmy Carter and Herbert Hoover. And that's not a good combination. And here's just a little taste of why Democrats are worried that maybe he's not even going to make it through 2024. The best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, from from uh, uh, Char- excuse me, from Charlotte, one uh, another line going from in, in Florida down to Tampa of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, foot. The idea that um, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? For two reasons. One, to We haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say it another way. But the nature, not a solid meeting with, um, with uh, the, uh, they make a very good point. Here's the deal. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what you can do, the drivers. We want to expand pre-K for three- and four-year-olds, millions of pre-K. So I'm confused. I don't think – I think we need an interpreter because all of that was just incoherent. And sadly, we hear that almost every single day when the president is speaking. And now some of the polls are showing that even Democrats are deeply, deeply concerned. They are seeing that President Trump looks like he's going to run again. I mean, he hasn't officially announced, but it looks like he is going to run again. And then there's also Mike Pompeo. There's buzz that he might run again. Ron DeSantis. I mean, there's a number of names that are out there of people who potentially may run again, whether President Trump runs or not runs. So there's a lot of questions out there. And things are so bad that Jill Biden... The wife, of course, of the president is continually kind of coming out and defending him. Remember, it was a couple of weeks ago where she came out and said, oh, you know, um, you know, Joe is doing a good thing. Just people don't understand him, don't appreciate him. Yeah, we don't understand him. I just heard those gaffes. I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. So, yeah, she's correct about that. Um, but now in the last 24 hours, she put out another statement saying, I wish people would see how much Joe works, how much hard work he does. You know, this doesn't seem like a real 
get it done president. And even the Democrats are deeply, deeply worried. And they're looking at their bench. And we were playing Jerry Nadler because that guy, I couldn't believe it, was one of the biggest stumble bumbles that we've ever heard in a debate. This is the guy who was behind impeaching Trump twice. And then last night in the New York debate against Carolyn Maloney and others, he comes out and he said, ah, you know, I impeach Bush twice. I, uh, 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 it was like, are you competing to be President Biden? I mean, it was really, really scary. And so now there are Democratic strategists who are coming out and saying somebody who could give a fresh wind to the Democratic Party is this woman. Take a listen. It's frustrating for me being a part of this. And I don't want to be one of those ding-dongs that just tells you to vote harder um, because the solution's a lot bigger than that. And it's going to take a lot more of us and from us to fix this. It's going to take, I think, a lot more than that to beat whoever is going to be running next go-round. So what are your thoughts? Is AOC a viable candidate? Is that just... You know, throwing it out there. She Listen, she's definitely a firebrand. She definitely has name recognition. She's got a big social media following. She doesn't mind kind of taking the fight to people. Not that I agree with a lot of her policies. And if you think Joe Biden is lefty, she is like loony lefty. She is like the head honcho of the squad, along with Cori Bush, who we just talked about. And they're defund the police efforts and they're You know, the world's coming to an end because of climate change, she said in 2019. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But despite all of that, remember, she ran against Crowley in New York and beat a guy who was a longstanding guy in New York. She was a bartender at the time. So the reason I say this, don't count her out. Count my words. Don't count her out. Barack Obama wasn't such a well-known guy whatsoever when he was running. You know, I mean, he was a community organizer, and then he became, you know, a, sort of a no-name guy in the Congress. And then it was like, who's this guy? And he won. President Trump, remember, didn't have any political experience. Obviously, he had big name recognition, and he won. There were a lot of people who were discounting him. And so maybe things are so bad that suddenly they need somebody that will look like an exact opposite in terms of it's a woman. She's a lot younger. At least she can get her sentences out. Whether we agree with her or not is a whole other matter. So what are your thoughts? Is she a viable candidate? And does that mean we might see an AOC Donald Trump matchup? Can you imagine that? That would be one for the record books. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line seven. BJ, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Thanks for having me on. A um, couple of things. Jessica Ramos, state senator from this district, my district, said that AOC can never find her way to the office. Uh, that said, uh, she's another one that uh, acts like Santa Claus in, in July, giving out everyone else's money. AOC, from a substantive point of view, is a zero. She's a Marxist idiot. She doesn't even know what she says. She just knows it's popular. That said, she can be installed because she, uh, rather than win an election, she can be installed 
uh, because all of these election laws were changed, and that's how the 2020 election was rigged. That was proven in Dinesh D'Souza's film um, uh, 2000 Mules. So with Facebook, all of these drop boxes, uh, all of this geo-tracking showed people were voting early and often. Pets were voting. Uh, What's your uh, point, though, BJ? What's your point? What's your point with the AOC? We're focused on the wrong thing. If you think we can win this on substance, the fact is uh, Donald Trump could win. He's a 100 times better candidate. The problem is our election process has been thwarted. Uh, and all of these uh, 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 people will vote for her. So, so you, uh, so you believe not necessarily if she's a viable candidate, but that you believe the system is rigged against, you know, uh, a Republican, no matter what he is. That's interesting. That that's an interesting point, BJ. Thank you very much. It's interesting because, you know, um, and by the way, like as you just said, she is very well, um, you know, connected within the Democratic Party. They'll have a big machine behind her. Um, But interesting, interesting point. Let's go to Teddy in Yonkers. Teddy, number two, what do you think? Uh, Good good evening, Rita. You know, I disagree with you with 95% of the things that come out of your mouth, but I'll agree with you on this. That's why I'm different from uh, BJ and Phil and Norman Oh, Ted, Ted, wait a minute, Ted, 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 why, Ted, why are you taking it out on Norman and and all the other guys? Why why are you taking it out on them? You seem like a very nice person, Ted, and I'm a very nice person. They're not balanced, Rita. They can't do an algebraic equation. I taught math for 40 years. They can't even solve a ge- basic geometry problem because it involves reasoning, okay? And unfortunately, most of your callers, including yourself, don't know how to reason, okay? All you do is like to mock people and be disingenuous. Teddy, Teddy, hang on a second. Let me. Do you want me to rewind what you just said? You just mocked AOC. So guess what? That she has zero chance of getting the nomination. You told my call screener. You told my call screener. She's a lunatic. You called. You told my call screener. She's a lunatic. That is mocking somebody. So how are you any different, Teddy? I mean, come on. And Teddy, by the way, do you want me to come on here and tell you that I think Joe Biden is the most vibrant president I have ever seen? And boy, that guy can run a triathlon tomorrow. Do you want me to say that with a straight face? Okay. Is that what you want me I, to say? I know, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, honest. I'm just asking you because run. you, you, I have, I and call it like I, I call it like I see it, Teddy. I also just said that I actually think, even though I agree that AOC is so far to the left and and I think doesn't have the experience. I would say don't count her out. It doesn't mean she's, quote, not a viable candidate. If somebody said to you, hey, Barack Obama's going to be president after that short time that he was in office, most people would have laughed, quite frankly, not not because, you know, just because he was young, you know, and, and he was elected. So sometimes the shiny new object can get elected. And so there's nothing uh, just because you and I don't agree with her. Um, but for you to sit there and call my callers names and me doesn't doesn't go very far, Teddy, because you just made a you just made a comment about her that my callers do, too. So then you then you're lumping yourself in. I, I appreciate all sides, but you got to be honest with yourself, Teddy. You got to get some help. To criticize the Republicans who held up this veterans bill until yesterday. Did, did it 
did we need John Stewart to go have a platform to initiate the Republicans to come forward? And by and by uh, the way, Teddy, hang on one second. By the way, Teddy, 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 hang on one second. By the way, um, and I have not uh, talked about that. But I will say, I did not like that. They claimed that part of it was because the bill was written in a way that it was unlimited purse strings, that money could have gone to other things other than veteran, and for an unlimited amount of time, that that's what they claim. I have to look at the bill clearly, but on the surface, I agree with you, because those people deserve everything we can give them, the veterans. And so when I saw that they voted it down for whatever reason. They should have found a way to make it go through. It looks like obviously it is. It's going to to the White House to get signed. But I didn't like it like you didn't like it, like John Stewart didn't like it. I, I agree with you, Teddy, on that one. Uh, last statement dealing with AOC. She has as much of a chance of being a viable candidate as I had in hitting the mega Lottery or the Powerball lottery. Oh, Teddy, that's not good. You're mocking her. That's not a good thing. You no, just said you don't do that. Doing with Joe Biden, listen, listening to him talk. No, that's the difference. This is a justified criticism based upon her ideology. Oh, and, and mocking her. Joe Biden is not a justified criticism. Teddy, when you look at him, Teddy, I've met Joe Biden. Joe Biden at the top of his game was a guy who was very quippy, very astute, very fast answering. He was a very sharp guy. And I remember when I had first heard, oh, gosh, he's going to run again for president because he's tried many times. But in the recent time, I thought, oh, gosh, he could really be quippy against President Trump, you know, because the two of them could kind of verbally spar mano a mano. But yet he has gone downhill. I, I and and that I'm just being honest, Teddy. I mean, it doesn't take. A, I could pull a second grader off the street, and they would say that guy is, you know, is not as astute as he was a number of years ago. And it's a sad reflection. But being a president is a tough job, and I want the best for our country. And it doesn't matter if it's red or blue; it's red, white, and blue. Go ahead, Ted. I agree with you. He is too old, but you could have criticized him in a more respectable manner. Okay, but you calling calling AOC a lunatic, you're right. That's so much better. Teddy, Teddy, I love you. I love you, but I disagree with you 99% of the time. Hey, Stan, I don't know why you want to take out Rita for dinner. I wouldn't. You know what? If you got to know me, you would buy me lunch, dinner, and breakfast, Ted. If I saw you on the street and you needed a ride, I would pick you up and I would take you to where you wanted to go. Thank you. Ted, we resolved it. Thank you. And, Ted, listen, I always love your calls. You know it. Like them or not. And you said you agree with me 1% of the time, so I'm glad at least we have 1%. Thank you for the call. Let's go to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Uh, So far, Ted and Stan have enlightened me tonight. What about the rest of you? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We, of course, are talking about Democrats who are saying that things are so bad, basically, with Joe Biden, even though Ted doesn't want to admit that. But despite that, they're looking at this woman, AOC. And if you thought Biden was to the left, 
This is like a 180 left turn with her. Take a listen. One is not the same. And we cannot dust that under the rug. And by the way, those families are owed reparations, period. So reparations, the world's coming to an end because of climate change, green energy. Uh, the list goes on and on. Defund the police. Biden's looking like uh, like the Wizard of Oz now. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Gail on line eight. Go ahead, Gail, your thoughts. Yeah, good evening. Uh, number one, Jerry Nadler, I believe in term limits. Number two, AOC is an anti-Semite with the rest of them. They have something with uh, years ago, they gave a little slither of land uh, in uh, the Palestinians, and it was a desert. So Israelis, uh, well, Jewish people came, and in the sand, they grew a tomato. They put sewage. They procreated. They became doctors, lawyers. They help other people. All of a sudden, they want it. And you know what? The Palestinians are still not helping their people. They're terrorists. They take their uh, money, and they fund guns. And, and Gail, by the, and Gail, to your point, as you were just saying about AOC, to your point, uh, she has been very, very, she's made some comments that, you're right, are very much considered anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. Um, and I hate it when I hear that, too. I mean, it's been a, not just her, but other members of the squad have really, and a lot of people have, remember, come out and sang, you know, made comments and you know, I think about um, a number of them that have made comments that I just think are reprehensible um, and continue to do it, even after they've been scolded publicly for it. Uh, let's go to Frank in Maine, line five. Go ahead, Frank. Oh, good good, good evening, uh, Rita, from the great state of Maine. You know, first off, I want to I want to thank the governor of Vermont, three of my favorite states in, 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 New, in New England, actually, uh, Vermont. Uh, my state of Maine and uh, New Hampshire, three Republican governors, well, two Republican governors, we hope get Mills out. We want LePage back in um, as governor of the state of Maine. You know, you know, Rita, um, AOC, I want her to get the nomination. I really do. I want her to get that nomination. I want to see her destroyed. I don't know. If, uh, I'm sure you remember Mondale. Yep, sure. Of course. Walter Mondale. I, I, I want to see... I want to see that. I want to see Mondale versus Reagan. I want to see destruction. And, and, by, and by the way, what was that? Remember that famous line, Frank, of uh, that uh, that uh, Reagan used? I will not let my opponents uh, youth and uh, youth and inexperience. I forgot the line, but it was a very classic line where he basically highlighted oh. the fact that the person next to him, Mondale, was completely, you know, out of his league. Uh, go ahead, Frank, real quick. Absolutely, and and I totally agree with that statement. And this is this is going to be this is going to be if if it does come down to Trump versus versus AOC, or even um, even DeSantis versus AOC, or, or or the moose that was in my backyard this morning versus AOC. Um, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a massacre. It's going to be a massacre. Wow! So wow! Be, Frank and a moose too. You're bringing in the moose. You're bringing in all the neighbors. <laughs> 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 